At the Indian Institute of Science, several timely research and technology development projects have been initiated to address problems arising from the current COVID-19 pandemic. However, due to lockdowns and the reduced functioning of the world overall, the researchers are facing difficulties in disseminating the results of their work. Through this series of informal conversations with some of the researchers and scientists behind some of these projects, we hope to gain an understanding of the what, the how, and the how does this help of some of these fascinating projects. Hello everyone, thank you for tuning in or logging in from wherever you are and whenever you are doing this. This is part of the podcast series on investigating or rather exploring the various innovations stemming from the Indian Institute of Science as a response to the COVID-19 pandemic. And now we have with us Professor Nidin Koshi. Hi, hi Nidin, how are you doing? Uh, Great to have you here. Hi Vivek, uh, thanks for having me here. Just a clarification, I'm not a professor at IIC. There is a center for network. I am a staff at the center for network intelligence. So Wonderful. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you. I should have clarified that before we started, but you know, it's always nice to have that on record as well. Yeah. So, Nidin, can you start by telling us a little bit about who you are? Because I'm sure our listeners would like to know that mm-hmm. where we were, where you started, how you came to be where you are now, you know, and be interested okay. in the topic that we're going to discuss. Okay. So, uh, I have been associated with the IIC for quite a long time, for more than a decade now, I think, mostly as a student. So, I did my bachelor in engineering in uh, telecommunications engineering uh, way back in 2005. Then, uh, then I came to Bangalore and then I joined IIC for my master's and then continued for my PhD. So, I've been here in IIC and in around Bangalore for quite a while. Then I went back to industry for a while of three and a half years after my PhD. And uh, last year, I rejoined the Center for Networked Intelligence at IIC as a staff. So this is a very new center at IIC, which is basically, uh, which is sponsored by the Cisco CSR. It's a, uh, it's a great initiative from Cisco. They are funding the center to look into research in uh, the state-of-the-art technologies in uh, networking. So that is, so I was basically back as a research manager at this center looking into the technical aspects and research. And that is when COVID happened and we actually repurposed ourselves to looking into COVID-related uh, tasks. Right. So when you say uh, Center for Network Intelligence, yeah. so could you, I mean, this may be a silly question, so forgive me, but could you describe like a typical day? Okay, networking uh, has been around for a long time and it is the, actually the backbone of all that we have now from all your broadband to your all your telecommunication, cellular systems. Everything is based on the underlying network, communication network. I work as a, a research manager at the Center for Network Intelligence. So at the, the center basically looks at research in the areas of networking, for basically 5G cellular networks, uh, vehicle to uh, vehicle transmissions, uh, ultra low level uh, transmissions, etc. And uh, there are also other projects uh, that we take up. For example, there is this notion of uh, IUDX. Uh, IUDX is Indian Urban Data Exchange Project, where the, the project is all about. There are so m- there are all these the entities which are producing data, but it is difficult for a user to get hold of the data in a usable form. So IUDX is a it is also a network of networks in an abstract sense. That is, you have all these entities, utilities, uh, for example, your electricity boards, your uh, water boards, your transportation boards, they're all producing information and they are not working in isolation. They are, all, they are also sharing information and sharing that can all be abstracted out as a network. And hence, there was a very particular need 
there there be a framework that allows this uh, information to be generated and shared among all these entities so iudx is a, a national level project that uh, looks into uh, that brings about the framework or sets about the framework that enables this sharing of data and use of data so uh, these are some activities that the center does and my uh, my task are basically uh, managing these different activities of the center is that okay or should uh, oh, absolutely i'm curious about this uh, center now um, okay. <laughs> because you know people keep talking about there is jobs that they do in you know academia and in research and in research management and things like that and it's very rare that we get an opportunity to actually understand it in some detail we are often only talking about projects and about papers and you know things that actually make headlines in that sense so the regular stuff is kind of lost so you know it's it's really it's quite insightful yeah maybe i'll add a couple of more sentences about the center uh, that is developing a curriculum a course curriculum or uh, on uh, networking which is to make networking engineering uh, more uh, uh, hands on that is uh, people can experiment uh, do uh, code exercises uh, do experiments and then learn about uh, networking and the concepts in networking fantastic so this course curriculum that is being formulated is when it is finalized will it be open to students at isc students at faculty at isc or, or is it a separate thing altogether that somebody else can apply yeah. to eventually it will be made uh, open so it will be most probably in a platform like nptel or uh, an another platform where it will be accessible to anyone so that is the eventual plan eventual plan in the sense maybe 6 months down the line fantastic thank you so nidin coming to this particular subject right that the covid-19 agent based city scale epidemic simulator that's what you're currently working on that's the working paper that has been put out i think early in april and uh, let me start with this question what is it so how would you simulate disease spread in a city so if you have to model uh, the city uh, as such let's say you want to model the city you consider a synthetic city with in all the individuals in the city and uh, and you make the individuals interact among themselves and uh, during these interactions the disease could spread between individuals and basically an agent based simulator simulates this and this uh, interaction between individuals in a city so we have uh, the simulator actually instantiates a synthetic city the size of the actual city so in the case of bangalore we generate a synthetic city of size of 1.2 crore individuals and each of these individuals are different features or characteristics like some of them are children some are office going some of them are elderly who stay mostly at home so they go to different places they go to offices schools community centers etc when and in each of these spaces there is a chance of them interacting with others and there is a chance of them giving the information uh, giving the infection or getting the so the agent based simulator basically tries to model and run simulations on this synthetic city of uh, with a population which is equal or similar to the entire population of the city this is in contrast to other models so there are other uh, models like sar models which takes a macro level view where you don't look at individuals per se but you look at the combined effect of individuals like you look at the city as a whole and uh, what fraction of the city could have gotten infected and how would that fraction evolve and that was that's what sar models are about whereas the agent based models are the other extreme 
where you look at every individual and try to model uh, every individual separately so uh, if i understand this right essentially you have created a virtual uh, world virtual bangalore where 1.2 crore people have been assigned the characteristics of their real world counterparts yes right to, uh, yes uh, to yes that is true to a large extent that is what is happening but you have to say we can't capture all the nitty gritty details of the city so largely in terms of let's say ratios of man is to woman uh, you know the age disparity in exactly. in the population exactly. is it also geocentric in the sense of the more crowded areas versus the less crowded areas so currently in the simulator we have these so the bangalore uh, for example the city of bangalore is divided into 198 wards and uh, each ward has a population density and uh, we take that into account but we don't go uh, we don't go into a higher resolution than wards like are there some high density pockets inside each ward are there some very high density areas like slums etc in right, bangalore right. we have we, we haven't gone into that kind of details the best resolution that we have for bangalore is wards whereas right. in mumbai we have this notion of slums there is a high density of people in some areas so when i say synthetic city and i think as vivek as you mentioned what are the characteristics of the city there is the age age characteristic like what is the age distribution of the city we take that into account we take into account what is the average number of people in a house so as with individuals in the model there are also households in the model and different mm-hmm. households have different strength in terms of the number of people in the household then there are the schools different schools have the strength and there is a typical distribution or based on which we sample these household schools workplaces etc and we also take into account the distance people travel to their offices in typical bangalore or typical bombay so some right. of the main characteristics we try to absorb into the model but not all the details not all yeah obviously yeah i mean there, there is a lowest common denominator there is somewhere where you stop fair enough so uh, if we can just quickly address the point of where do you get this data i'm sure there are several sources so is this all in the public domain or are they with government agencies so most of it is uh, so in that sense we are uh, the government of india puts out lot of this data so the census is the main source of data for age distribution household size distribution this is all there in the government portals so for the city there is something called the city geojsons uh, or the geographic information the geospatial information that is uh, that we got from uh, a volunteer group uh, it's called the data meet so they have put out uh, information about the bangalore city the different ward boundaries etc then there are these other surveys economic survey uh, that the government has done so most of the information is uh, government information government uh, the statistical institutes uh, information and right. most of, and all of it is most uh, is uh, even public domain and this happened when did you launch this so to speak in april am i right so the first uh, working model or the first report we came out in april 20 or so so uh, even before that we had it uh, ready and uh, april 20 was when uh, we law- we made it public the public version of our simulator but that right. was actually right. uh, i would say version 1 or the early version uh, after right. which we have had uh, multiple uh, improvements iterations can you just talk us through a little bit about the findings from let's say version 1 as an as a small example 
So uh, let me tell before coming to the findings, uh, what is the uh, what motivated us to this uh, building the simulator? So uh, there were there are these as I said there are these SAR models which take into the macro level view, but what basically the progression of the disease is very much dependent on what interventions are taken. So unless unless you factor in the intervention that the government is going to do, you cannot come up with a good. Uh, prediction of what is going to happen that was the motivation that we built the simulator also because what we wanted was a simulator which could take in the different interventions that uh, a government uh, the policy maker uh, was going to do for example uh, lockdown does uh, help to stem the disease spread but if you remove lockdown then the disease comes back when we started the simulation actually that is when lockdown was uh, imposed on the country and our question was for how long uh, should the lockdown last the main focus of the simulator has always been comparison of interventions how do you given an intervention how do you uh, logically represent it and bring it into the simulator so it's essentially about looking at the various possibilities that policy makers can implement right in terms of interventions as you said and evaluating what could be the best option at any given point in time that is the key motivation that is the key model right and right. Uh, coming back to findings so initial in the first yes. initial study was about after lockdown after 40 days of lockdown on bangalore what would be what would what should we do uh, how would the disease progress for different scenarios for example uh, we studied the scenario of just case isolation that is uh, you have a uh, once a person develops symptoms you just ask that person to isolate himself at home uh that is one that is a baseline right. one can say other is you right. how you ask the entire household to stay at home which we call the home quarantine and the other would be all of this plus uh, you keep schools closed uh, what about if you keep schools open then uh, the another scenario was what if you only allow 50% of the workplaces to function so these were different scenarios or interventions that we studied in all of it as i said the moment we relaxed lockdown the, there was the disease would come back but the more so what we found was if you have case isolation home quarantine social distancing of the elderly school closure etc the disease progression the rate the rate of disease progression is reduced in when you bring in more and more intervention has this actually been deployed in a sense by any governmental agency or authority you know the uh, the bbmp or to actually help them arrive at a decision you know yeah. my, i guess my question is actually are you working in tandem with with a government agency yeah so uh, we do give inputs to government agencies for example in bangalore we give inputs to uh, the bbmp the in fact uh, the kannada state uh, disaster management authority ksdma is whom we have uh, interactions with and right. in mumbai we have had interactions with the bmc so it's, it's basically it's it's not on a day to day basis it's about comparisons of these interventions and uh, we'll see uh, we give inputs on how how the progression would look for a given intervention and uh, we give these inputs and based on this hopefully uh, the authorities uh, take their call on what they need to do on the ground you also mentioned earlier that in terms of the the resolution of the bangalore and bombay is different because the cities are different right i mean yeah. the the population densities are different so in terms of 
I don't know if this is a fair question to ask or if you can actually, if we can actually arrive at an answer at this point in time. But is there a difference in the effectiveness of the model in, let's say, Bangalore versus the effectiveness of the model in Bombay? Uh, in terms of the way, the way you had predicted, the way the model had predicted it versus the way it actually went or is going. So in the Mumbai, so as I said, there are different interventions possible. And yes. in Mumbai, the intervention that... Uh, they have uh, or uh, we have implemented is where uh, there is this notion of a containment which becomes stronger and stricter as the number of hospitalizations in a ward increases and that uh, intervention with uh, the notion of uh, partial opening of trains is what we have seen is closely following the trend in Mumbai uh, very good uh, matching of fatalities in Mumbai and our simulator in terms of cases uh, there is a lag we, we see the cases in uh, Mumbai will surge a week earlier than what was actually observed in Mumbai. So uh, that could, uh, yeah, there, are, oh, there could be multiple explanations for that. But nevertheless, Bangalore was, uh, there was very few cases until late June or mid-June. And uh, we were, uh, uh, our model was also showing that. And there was one scenario which is actually tracking Bangalore quite well now, uh, which is, uh, 50% of opening of offices from May 18th onwards with containment. This is all very, very encouraging, right? In terms of the fact that the model is able to, I mean, is, is proving to be reflective of the situation on the ground. Definitely, yes. Now, one of the main things in, in dealing with this as, at a societal level is that you know, there is so much information out there for the public to actually absorb and to evaluate for themselves, that it becomes hard to figure out, you know, what to do and what not to do and whom to believe and whom not to believe, which source, etc., etc. Okay. If this is proving to be a reliable source of predictive capability, mm-hmm. right, this, this particular model, is it available to the public to access and, you know, work from? Uh, so the, the tool, the, uh, the simulator of 1.2 crore uh, Bangalore, it, the simulation itself, it, it takes some computational effort to run this. We run it on the supercomputer in uh, Bangalore. So right. we run it for particular scenarios, interventions, uh, etc. And we get the results. The tool per se, the software is all open source. So uh, And anyone with the ability can, anyone can download the tool and run it. There is, uh, so just to give people a feel for the simulator, we have a mini scale version of the simulator which can run on your browser. Which, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, this, is, this, is, this is more like you can say a, an educational tool, I would say, which introduces right. people to the agent-based simulator. But I wouldn't right. use that as a, I wouldn't use that to predict the city scale uh, 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 progression of the city. Of course. Yeah, you got to extrapolate that level of exactly. data from exactly. something that small. That runs, that runs on a one lakh population. And it runs on your browser. It is, yeah, it is just as a prototype. But the actual simulator, which runs on the entire city, it is the software is available, open source. Anyone can access it at uh, our website, cni.iic.ac.in/simulator. Uh, if you have, if you have the resources, you can uh, you can you can actually it. run the simulation yourself. Yes. Uh, and and what about the prototype, Nitin? Where where was one find that? At the same link, which is uh, same, same link, uh, cni.ic.ac.in uh, slash simulator. Oh, lovely.
I know where I'm going after we finish this. I'm going to go play around with that. Uh, since the data or the simulations have a strong track record, reasonably within the margin of error, uh, is the data released to the general public at any point or through a governmental agency? So uh, we, where have, we have put on two reports uh, as of now. Uh, one was the initial study, which was for, which was basically about the capabilities of the simulator, uh, which is, uh, uh-huh. and it had uh, studied uh, a few interventions for Bangalore and Mumbai. Uh, we had a follow-up report in June, uh, which was uh, mostly about uh, studying the uh, the scenarios in Mumbai on the different uh, on the impact of opening up trains, on the impact of uh, different levels of this containment wards, etc. So those two reports are it. So uh, reports have been how we have been communicating our uh, results with the public. Uh, uh, with the public, yeah. But uh, we have had uh, interactions or uh, we give uh, more frequent updates to the policy makers or uh, the government officials via different reports and presentations. Right. And uh, since you mentioned updates, how often do you run the simulation, you know, adding uh, more relevant, uh, fresher data? And how often do you give updates to, uh, let's say, the BBMP or BMC? It also depends on the ask. So uh, they come, come to us on, okay, uh, how, this intervention versus this, uh, uh, how would you uh, evaluate? It is also on their, uh, uh, on demands from the authorities. And it takes, uh, if there is a new intervention that needs to be coded up, etc., it can take a development time of maybe a week or so. Uh, I would say on a two weeks interval, we generate reports on the current right. city. Right, 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 right. On a right. How do you see this panning out going forward? Because now April to July is now nearly four months. Of, of tracking this infection. Do you see more iterations of it going forward? In terms of uh, running the simulator, I think uh, uh, the simulator is feature-rich to a good extent or uh, mature to a good extent. Uh, we do want to increase some features like we don't have these notions of, let's say, a mall or a railway mm. station or convention centers where people can, there are uh, like... Uh, people can come on a transient basis. So those mm-hmm. notions of city are not yet in. So we plan to bring those few additional features, uh, which is uh, in terms of development of the simulator, those are what we uh, plan to take up in the near future. Uh, in terms of uh, uh, running the simulator, we need to keep, uh, we do keep running, looking at uh, the simulator output, comparing with the ground, uh, the reality. We, if we see some uh, deviations, we try to see uh, what change in the intervention could have caused this or what has changed in the ground reality, which is changing a deviation in the behavior. So that activity will keep going, I think, uh, for some time into the future. Particularly in the case of Bangalore, uh, when there was a spike in Bangalore that happened recently. So there was this request of uh, how does it uh, uh, look? Uh, do we really need a lockdown? If we don't have a lockdown, how would it proceed? If you only have containment zones, how would the progression look like? Those studies were done. I think based on the changing scenarios in the cities, I think the demands for predictions will also keep changing. I would say. Because it's, yeah, it's a fluid situation. So it is. For Bombay and Bangalore. And in fact, we are also trying to do it for Delhi. So we are in the process right. of gathering information for uh, how to instantiate the city of Delhi. 
that was my next question actually in terms of you know are there plans to scale outwards from these two metros because as the infection spreads also into you know tier 2 and 3 towns and uh, taluks and districts there may be a need for simulations there as well you know there may be a need for simulation on the outward spread from the metro so to speak so uh, currently we look at a city in isolation we assume that there are seeded individuals who is contributing to the infection in that city this is one uh, another feature that we looking into how to bring into the model about mobility that is how do you bring in this notion of there could be people coming in from other parts of the country and how are they bringing in the disease so this is we are looking at uh, mobility data one is looking at the mobility data and the second is thinking about how do we incorporate this systematically into the simulator so that is something we are looking into and in terms of doing running the simulator for other tier 2 cities or even other metros what we need is generating the synthetic city and generating a synthetic city needs some effort in terms of as i said going looking at the census data looking into the characteristics of the city the geospatial profile of the city so that needs some background work and uh, we are looking for volunteers to take it up for different other cities uh, now we have got a volunteer from iit delhi who is working looking into delhi and uh, if we get volunteers maybe we can use their help to uh, take it to other cities also you know this is also something that uh, i asked one of your colleagues in another podcast interview yesterday which is about uh, this pandemic has been a wake up call like in the sense that it has pushed some of our leading minds and thinkers and researchers into developing models like this which didn't really exist before you know but the need for the model i don't think will actually diminish as covid-19 diminishes you know this situation will pass right yes. but let's say i mean we have other illnesses right like malaria like uh, so do you see an application for this kind of simulations in post covid 19 you know for definitely. the general well being of yes. society yes definitely and i think that is what so as i said in the beginning when we got started we found that there were these studies from the uk and us on different interventions and how they how you could model interventions and see how the disease would progress so i think in the initial days of the epidemic there were all these notions about flattening the curve what is this flattening up to how do you simulate those so those were the motivations that uh, prompted us to look into or build the simulator and at that time what we found was there were not many india centric or there simulators developed in india to study this we were lacking to some extent in that aspect about good models for epidemic spread and this the covid 19 has brought a lot of researchers in india across the country to study different kinds i would say different kinds of simulators also it's not just mm-hmm. we looked at agent based simulators but there are other groups which are looked at other types of simulators even in iic there have been uh, different groups studying different types of simulators uh, sar models which are easy to do which are easy to compute so if you you don't need a large computational resources as as an our agent based simulator so i think a lot of uh, expertise has been built up in terms of modeling of diseases modeling of interventions so i think in that sense we have built up capacity capability in terms of modeling diseases and definitely this would help us help the policy makers in evaluating their responses to other disease, other uh, 
epidemics and diseases also just i think one last question since you mentioned uh, you know us and uk is there a lot of give and take between let's say you know leading institutions and researchers in various countries and within the country you know within different institutions like you mentioned different teams working on different approaches within the country how open is this field yeah i think in india it has been quite open and uh, for example there is the india is indian scientists response to covid isrc and they have been isrc has been very forthcoming in bringing together all the researchers uh, bringing this information facilitating interactions between the different groups so isrc has has done webinars on uh, bringing all the different modelers together uh, discussing about their interaction so it has so there is interaction between different researchers in india yeah and also between interna- with respect to international collaboration particularly in our group we have been interacting with a research group in virginia and uh, sorry in in uh, university of virginia and uh, they were actually the i would say who pointed us to the different models which are already available and because they were already working on this so there are there right. is collaboration and not just between academia i think in this scenario there has also been a lot of collaboration between industry and academia also so industry right. has also come forth with uh, data with expertise so i think this has also helped some amount of collaboration uh, bridging of gap between academia and industry also that's fantastic you know actually that everyone is sort of doing their bit if is there anything else nidin that you would like to add that you would like to include that we've sort of missed out or left out i would also like to bring up the other tools that we have been working on so uh, so every we focus on the disease spread per se but there are other areas also which have been affected by this disease for example mm-hmm. uh, if you look at uh, workplaces what precautions should workplaces take when they bring uh, when they restart their operations uh, so there are different aspects to a workplace like there is transportation there is uh, seating there is meetings Uh, there is cafeteria and uh, a lot of other factors that comes into a workplace and you have to prepare a workplace for each of these uh, scenarios uh, so we have come up with a tool called the workplace readiness tool we request uh, information from different organizations on what is the number of employees they have what is the area of the enterprise uh, the organization their floor uh, floor size what is the typical distance between employees the cube size do they have isolated rooms how many toilets do people share what is the size of the cafeteria etc and based on these inputs we come up with a notion of uh, we come up with a notion of a score like hey you are doing well in these aspects in terms of maybe your cafeteria is too small so you should try to uh, limit the number of people coming into your cafeteria or your transportation a lot of your people are relying on public transport hence there is a chance of more spread so uh, we give this tool where uh, in organizations can uh, input information about their uh, workplaces and we give scores on different parameters and uh, this we uh, this is like this is an approach where a policy maker gives some broad guidelines and it is mm-hmm. for individual organizations to tune their operations so that it matches so it's like a win win situation This sounds fantastic. Is it self-evaluated, or do you have some kind of evaluation mechanism after the organizations have uploaded their their specific data? 
Yeah, so they, they uh, upload or give this data to the tool. The tool uh, has some uh, underlying formulae and uh, 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 heuristics uh, that work behind the tool. And it comes up with the score. Oh, uh, wonderful. So, I mean, we don't have to wait for somebody to analyze the data and no, come back. No, it, no. It, On the, uh, just as they upload, you get a score. So this is also wow. available online. This is actually a tool available online. And in fact, this is a tool which was recommended by the Karnataka State Disaster Management Authority and the Karnataka government to industries to uh, to adopt. I see. Yeah. yeah, this tool is available at uh, cni.iac.ac.in slash uh, workplace hyphen readiness. This tool is also there. Uh, so this amazing. is one of the other tools that we have developed. And currently, we are also working on another tool, which is about uh, uh, allocation of test samples to lab locations. So, for example, in the in Karnataka, there are around 93 testing labs spread across the state. And uh, right. these collections, let's say we have uh, all the samples are collected at the district headquarters, which is which are, we have 30 districts in Karnataka. So, we have a operations problem or logistics problem of how many samples to uh, allocate to different labs. And uh, we have a tool which helps do this allocation based on various uh, parameters like minimize the backlog at each lab, minimize the distance traveled for each. So this is also one tool that we have developed. Basically, this is not for the public per se, it is for the policymakers. And this tool is, uh, we developed this so that this could be adopted to any so if there is right. if there is a need for uh, how to allocate uh, samples to different labs, any state can uh, take this up and tweak it. Right. This particular tool, which is the allocation, uh, the sample allocation tool. Correct me if I'm wrong, but again, post pandemic, right? Post this particular application, the logic of it strikes me as being applicable to several other things, like storage of produce, for example. Definitely. So right. this is the same thing, and uh, it's a, that's why I said it's a logistic. It's basically a logistic problem. And I think yes. our uh, Amazons and uh, uh, Amazons and the food corporation in India. I think they have. They would have looked yeah. into such problems for ages, and they they also would have some mechanism. Uh, but right. basically, an operations research problem of how to allocate uh, resources. Uh, or uh, yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, I thought I, I forgot to mention the, the group of people who are working on this. So, uh, uh, so it's a joint collaboration between uh, the Center for Network Intelligence. Then uh, there is a team for TFR Mumbai who works with us. Then there is ISI Bangalore. So the labs to labs, that's what we called about uh, the tool that we developed, uh-huh. uh, allocation of samples to labs. Uh-huh. That is developed uh-huh. in collaboration with ISI Bangalore. So it is not... It is not a effort just from our part. Uh, it's a collaborative effort between different groups across the country. And uh, also, I would like to thank Cisco because Cisco is funding the sender, and without their funding, none of this would have happened. So, thanks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Nidin. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks yeah. a lot for uh, taking your time and uh, yeah, taking the effort. Not at all. Thank you for listening. For more information on this project or on other projects developed at the IISC, please visit covid19.iisc.ac.in. That's covid19.iisc.ac.in.